Well, I have to confess something at the very start of this little series. I am completely unqualified to preach a series about simplifying life. I feel like my life is running at 100 all of the time. I, I feel like, if I was to be honest, like I never have a moment down that I'm always trying to play catch up. I feel, uh, if I was to be completely honest, I feel like I'm overstretched, overworked, uh, overwhelmed virtually all of the time, busy. Um, it doesn't even begin to describe my life most of the time. And I guess, my guess would be uh, that I'm not alone in this. My, my guess is a whole bunch of us feel these things all the time. Most of us would feel that our life is, is, is sort of on autopilot, like it's going and going and it's spinning out of control and, and we aren't really in control of who we are or who we are becoming. You ever feel that way? You ever feel just so busy? And so it's true. I am a complete hypocrite. I have a pace of life that I do not like. I, I want to simplify. I, I want to I get a handle on this. And I'm, the problem is, is I'm not exactly sure how. And so what I'm going to do, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to preach this series at me. And if you want to listen in, that's okay. Um, but I'm just going to preach to me because I've got to figure this out in my own life. Um, and so let me, as a matter of fact, give you a little backstory about where this whole idea for this series called Simplify came from. I was up about 2 a.m., this goes back a couple months, and I was up about 2 a.m., and I was trying to play catch-up on all the emails and messages that come in, and, and, and I don't know about you, but I just get tons and tons of, uh, of messages, and, and, and many of them are very personal, and they're very important. All of them are very important, and, and my intent is to literally write back to everybody who writes me a note personally. And sometimes that gets a little hard. You know how it is. They get stacked up and they get buried and you kind of play catch up. And so um, at about 2 a.m. every once in a while, I'll stay up like better half of the night and I'll just go on a marathon and I'll try to catch up on all of my note writing because it, they, they do matter to me. It's, it's important because a lot of people write and, and some of those things are very simple. They're just about business or about the life of the church and they're just easy questions that can be answered. Um, but, but many people open up their heart in letters to me, and, and, they, and they talk about things that are very deep and personal. They ask questions about God, about the Bible, and, and about, the, uh, about the hurts of their life, and how God could fit into all of that. And so I, I really do uh, want to write every single one of them back. And, and so again, I stay up all night sometimes just trying to catch up on this. And it was in one of these little marathons, I, I was feeling um, so stressed out uh, about this. I was feeling uh, like I was such a jerk for taking so long to get back to some of these notes. I was feeling like, man, why do I let this happen? I should be on this. I should be on this. I should be on this. Uh, I was feeling, to be honest, the, um, the spiritual weight of our community, you know, because I'm dealing with all these things. And then all of a sudden in my little email list, I, I come across one of those e-newsletters from one of those um, blogs or websites that I follow and one of these stupid things I probably signed up for and I just get too much stuff in the mail and I don't know why I even signed up for it in the first place. But when this email came up, it just simply said on the top, it simply said, simplify. And I thought to myself, right, wouldn't that be awesome? Simplify. And then, and then I noticed it had this little video player down below and, and it says, watch this little three-minute video by Bill Hybels. Now, Bill Hybels is 
one of my spiritual mentors. He's like, this man's had so much influence in my life. And so I took a moment, 2 a.m., and I clicked on it. And it was Bill uh, talking about his new book entitled Simplify. And he was preaching about this idea that so many of us live overstressed and overcommitted and, and stretched to the max, these busy lives. And, and if we are not careful, we are going to miss what God wants to do in us, not just through us, but inside of us. And, and so I watched this thing, and, and when I got done with just this little three-minute video, I, I, I was so convicted. Um, I decided right then and there that I was going to just go crazy, and I was going to drop the 15 bucks, and I was going to buy this book. And I was going to literally, I, I said to myself, I'm going to buy this book, and I'm going to make some plans to go be with God. And I trust Bill so much in his writings, and, and, and I, I'm going to just take this book, and I'm going to read it straight through. And I, I committed to myself, I'm just going to do whatever the Holy Spirit leads me to do. But I got busy, and I never even ordered the book. Um, you want to talk about being a hypocrite, here I am, I'm borrowing his title, and I've never even given the guy the 15 bucks for the title, right? I, I never even got the book, because I just got so busy. How's that for hypocrisy, right? And, and so, now, fast forward a couple months later, um, I was getting ready to go to Vegas with our video team to shoot the Easter video, and, and uh, while I was pretty excited about this, um, there was a lot of tension in, in my home, because uh, Lynette, and she's right, she feels that I'm gone way too much, and she didn't want me gone for a few more, more days, and, and I get it, I didn't want to be gone, I understood the tension in all of this, um, but you know, you kind of plow through those things, and so uh, I'm getting ready to pack, and I don't know about you, but whenever I travel, I like to bring a bunch of reading material, and so um, in the process of packing, I just grabbed a couple of things, and, and I grabbed two particular items to read, and, and one was this magazine that I get uh, every couple months. It's called Leadership Journal. Now, what was funny, it was laying on my office desk for at least a month or two, untouched, unopened. I didn't even, you know, even know it was there hardly, and I just grabbed it and shoved it in my briefcase, and, and I grabbed another book uh, that was given to me last Christmas called Your Legacy uh, by Dr. James Dobson. And so I put this stuff in my, in my uh, bag thinking I'll, I'll grab it and I'll read it on the plane or whatever. And so uh, we, of course, load the plane and we're getting all settled in for this long trip out west. And, and uh, I reach into my little uh, briefcase and I pull out that magazine, Leadership Journal. And again, I hadn't looked through it. I didn't know what it was about. And I, I discover very quickly as I'm reading through this thing that the entire months of article, uh, articles were, were dedicated to this idea of an overpaced life, a, a stressed life, a frantic paced kind of a life. And, and this theme kept coming up that if you are not careful, you are not going to make it as a leader, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, you're just not going to make it to the end. And, and, and listen, you'll do a lot of great things, but you'll miss the great things that God wants to do inside of you. And so here I am, I'm reading this journal, and, and I'm like, I'm getting like really emotional about this. I, I read almost the whole thing, and people are starting to look at me, and I'm like tearing up, trying to, you know, you know kind of a deal. And, and I'm, I'm fighting through this. Finally, I get to this point of just being mad because I know the thing is right. I know it's right, and I just, I say, I'm done, I'll, I'll work on these things later. You know, I, I thought to myself, yeah, this is definitely, there's got to be some changes in my life. There's got to be some reorder, some repacing uh, of my life, and so I, but I'm going to worry about that later, right? And so I just shoved that magazine down in there. I'm thinking, that thing is stupid, right? And, um, and so I, I reach in my bag a little bit later, and, and, and I grab out this book, and it, this book is called Your Legacy, um, 
by Dobson. And I didn't know what it was about. I hadn't even cracked the cover of it. And so I start to read it. And um, it was all about this idea of what do you value most in life? It was about this idea of what are you leaving behind? It's this idea that says that if you're not careful, you will not pass on to your children what you value most. And it talked about this idea. I think every parent in this room, every grandparent in this room should absolutely get this book. And so here I am, I'm reading this book and I get through the first chapter or second. I read like five chapters on the plane. And by the time I was done, I was at times laughing out loud. Other times I was just blubbering in tears. Uh, I was so emotional and I don't even know why, but this book just grabbed onto me and it just said the same thing to me. That if I am not careful, I'm gonna look back with a whole bunch of regrets Sure, I would have done some good things and maybe accomplished some good things. But the thing that God wanted me to do most, the things inside of me that God wants to do, would be left undone. And I would miss the opportunities that God wanted for me to give my own children my faith. And if I wasn't careful, I was just going to screw it up. And so the weight of all this kind of comes down. And so God spoke to me. And I don't know what the people on the plane, because I was a mess at this point. And God is literally speaking to me. And I think to myself, um, I've got to do something about this. I've got to do something about this. You've got to get your soul right, Jeremy. You've got to get the pace of your soul right, or you're going to live with a bunch of regrets. You're going to wake up one day missing God's best for your life. So if it's okay with you, I'm just going to preach to me for a couple weeks. Is that okay? And if you want to listen, go right ahead. But this is for me. And... Um, And I'm going to be taking in and giving out a whole bunch from some of my favorite writers on this subject. I'm going to be quoting from and breathing deeply from guys like Richard Foster, from John Ortberg, from uh, guys like Bill Hybels and and James Dobson and some of these other guys. They've just had such a tremendous influence on my my life, and and I'm learning so much from these guys. As a matter of fact, uh, John Ortberg, in his book, um, it's called The Hurried, excuse me, it's called the, uh, The Life You Always Wanted. He has a chapter called The Unhurried Life. And when I read it, it blew my mind. It was so good. And what I want to do is I just want to read the opening of his chapter to you. It is so good. And these are John's words. Listen carefully. He writes, quote, not long after moving to Chicago, I called a wise friend to ask for some spiritual direction. I described the pace at which things tend to move in my current job setting. I told him about the rhythm of my family life and about the present condition of my heart, my soul. Uh, what, what did I need to do, I asked him, to be spiritually healthy? Long pause, he writes. Long pause. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry, from your life, he said at last. After another long pause, okay, I've written that one down. I told him a little impatiently. That's a good one. Now what's next? What else is there? I had many things to do um, that day, so I was anxious to cram in as many spiritual uh, wisdom truths uh, in the least amount of time possible. But there was another long pause. Then he said, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. He, he's, John goes on to write, he's the wisest spiritual mentor I've ever known. And while he doesn't know every detail of every grain of sin in my life, he knows quite a bit. And from the immense quiver of his spiritual sagacity, he, he drew one arrow. So out of all of his wisdom, he takes one little point and he says, there is nothing else. 
you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, does that hit anybody else like it hits me? I mean, that, that just like, was like a bomb in my life. Um, uh, my, my guess is, is that I'm not the only one who feels that life only has one speed, hurry, or maybe two, hurry up, right? That, that's about the pace of life. And I think John's mentor is on to something here because maybe the opposite of simplicity is not the complex. Maybe the opposite of simplicity is this thing called hurry. Because hurry, I think this is really true, it is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. I really believe this to be true. I know it's true in my life, and I bet it's true in yours. I really do. I bet it's true if you were to examine that hurry is, is the enemy of your soul. It absolutely is. Um, you see, if you're like me at all, I have the best of intentions to connect deeply with God. I have the best of intentions to have a soul connection with my Father. I, I want to do life very, very intimately with Him. I want to be connected to Him. But hurry destroys that. Hurry destroys our soul. Hurry can keep us from living well, can it? You ever feel like that? I mean, you want to do something well, just one thing well. Does anybody want to do that? And, and yet, this thing called hurry, it robs you of that. There's this writer named Carl Jung, and he once wrote these words, hurry is not from the devil, hurry is the devil. Isn't that great? Hurry is not from the devil, hurry is the devil. Now, now let me tell you something that I'm learning these days. Um, if we were to pursue the life that God wants from us and for us, we have to do battle with this idea of hurry in our life. Um, this is what I see in so many of our lives. The, the great danger in most of our lives, I'm assuming that there is some spiritual ambition in you right now. That's why you're in church. My, my assumption right now is that you want a life with God, that somehow you want to connect with God. And the great danger for most of us in this room is not that one day we're going to wake up and renounce our faith. Do you understand this? That the great danger for most of us in, in this room is not, like we're not going to wake up one day and go, well, it's all a lie, it's all fake, it's, it's, none of it's real. The great danger for all of us in this room, for most of us, I should say, in this room, is this idea that there is, this, there is a spiritual distraction that is going to take us away from what's truly important. The, 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 the idea is that the, the, the great danger is that we're going to get so distracted, so rushed, so preoccupied, so hurried that we will settle for less and less and less of God and his kingdom, and we will settle for more and more and more of the world. That's the danger, friends, is that this hurried-paced life, it robs from the spiritual existence that we want. And, and simply, friends, this is unacceptable to me anymore in my life. It is unacceptable to accomplish more in this world, but to be less connected with God. You see, we, can, we cannot settle for a mediocre relationship with God and a great relationship with this world. You hear me, friends? We can't. We can't. And hurry is the enemy of our soul. I'm not sure if this is a real medical diagnosis or not, but I think most everybody in this room suffers with this. Um, it's called hurried sickness. 
hurried sickness. Um, you, you know, it's this idea of, of hurry up, let's go, hurry up, let's go. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Hurry, let's go, hurry. Everybody, let's go, let's go. I can't believe traffic is so slow. I cannot believe my kids are so slow. I can't believe this drive-through is so slow. I can't believe this microwave is so slow. I thought microwaves were supposed to go fast. This is so slow. I cannot believe this diet is so slow. Right? You ever feel that way? Everybody is too slow. Hurried sickness. I have it. And my guess is most, most of you have it as well. Back in the 1960s, this blows my mind. This is a true story. Back in the 1960s, there, there were these experts that testified in front of the United States Senate about the coming dangers to America. And, and, and one of the top dangers that they picked out for Americans back in the 1960s was this. Was they, they, they presented the idea that because of all the advancements in technology and machinery, that Americans will have so much extra time on their hands that they would have to work less. That Americans would have to actually work less days a week, less weeks a year. And that they predicted that the average American will retire many, many, many years earlier than, 19, uh, than, than by, before the age of 65. They said the great danger that American people face, the greatest danger was that they would have too much free time on their hands and it would cause trouble in their lives. Pause. Is this a great danger in anybody's life at all? I mean, this was back in the 1960s. Does anybody in this room go, I have so much extra time on my hands, I just do not know what to do. It's driving me crazy how much extra time I got. I just got nothing going on in my life. Anybody? 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 It's crazy. The truth is, is that we're all desperate for more free time. Um, and, and I am. And here's the thing. We will buy almost anything to buy fast, to buy faster. We'll buy things that will hurry us up. As a matter of fact, the number one selling shampoo in America is the shampoo that combines conditioner and the shampoo because God knows we don't have an extra 30 seconds to do both, right? I mean, it's just, it's the truth. I love how John Ortberg writes about this in his book. Um, He says, we worship at the shrine of the golden arches, not because they sell good food or even cheap food, but because they sell us fast food. And then he writes this, even after fast food, food was introduced, People still had to park their cars, go inside, make the order, take the order to their table, all of which took way too much time. And so they came out with a drive-through. So it enabled families to eat in their cars, which as God originally intended. Right? Um, True story. I even read uh, 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 somewhere down in Georgia, I think, don't quote me on the state, but I think it was in Georgia, that some funeral home owner, he built a funeral home with drive-through windows. And, and this is what the guy said. He said this, he goes, honestly, he goes, I believe that people want to show their love and compassion toward other people. But then he says this little line, but they want to do it in a hurry. Pfft, what? Are you kidding me? And then he says, he says, we are too busy to mourn the dead. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us, friends? It's crazy, but this is the world that we have created, isn't it? It just is our our world. If you want to get anywhere, if you want to get anything done, if you want to accomplish everything, the speed you're moving is just too slow. You got to do it faster. You got to move twice as fast, run twice as fast. I know, I live in this, and it's killing me, it's driving me crazy. It's not good, it's not healthy, and I don't think it honors God in the long run of it. Um, Friends, hurry is the enemy 
of the simple. It is the enemy of the soul. Um, look at this short glimpse uh, from the life of Jesus. It's found in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6. Um, it's just a short little snapshot in Jesus' life, but it conveys such a huge truth that if we're not careful, we are going to miss it. We will just read right over this and not even realize the value that the scripture is bringing to our lives. But here's what it says in the book of Mark, chapter 6, starting in verse 30. Here's what it says. They, the, the apostles, they returned to Jesus. So these guys were out doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Jesus sent them out, and they're out sharing faith. They're sharing of the glory of God. They, they're pointing people to Jesus. So it says they returned to Jesus, and, and they told him all that, he, that they had done and all that they had taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure or time even to what? eat. And, and they went away to, by boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, my guess is, is not much has changed in, in 2,000 years. Ever been too busy to eat? Ever been just like such on the run that you go, well, it ain't good food. It ain't even cheap food anymore, but it's fast food. My guess is most of us have availed ourselves to the drive through lane more than once because this is our life. It is, it is so complex. It is so fast. And, and, but one of the things that we see in Jesus' life was that regularly he pulled off to the side of the road. Regularly Jesus dialed it back. Regularly Jesus toned it down, found a place to reconnect and recalibrate with who? His father. The scripture says, if you were to track through the scriptures, it says over and over that Jesus went off to pray. Jesus went off to be alone, to connect with God, to seek his father's will. And if you look at the scripture, um, this, this is an amazing thing. The, the disciples, the closest followers, if you look at this little story, they, they were pumped up. They were excited that God was using them, right? They'd gone out. They were sharing faith. The scripture records that they were even doing miracles. And so they're coming back. They're all fist pumping like, you wouldn't even believe what's going on out there. You wouldn't believe people's hearts are turning toward the kingdom of God. And, and they're like fired up. And Jesus goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, no. Here's what we got to do. Here's what we got to do. We got to go get alone, get out of Dodge. We got to go find a quiet place so we can recalibrate our our soul. And they're all going, huh? No, no, no. Things are happening. I mean, if you look closely, what does it say? It says that people were coming and going, all kinds of people. Now, listen, this is where I get it all wrong. This is where I get it, because for, in my life, when things are happening, when things are happening, right, when things are making money, when, when people are coming, when the church is up and running, I go, like, we got to make, we got we to gotta strike when the iron's Hot, right? We got to make hay when the sun is shining. We got to go, 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 because now is the time. That's when people are interested. This is when you got to make your money, baby, right? And Jesus says, what are you, crazy? Jesus says, in the middle of all of this, when people were coming to him, when things were happening, when things were the busiest, he says, you got to dial it back. You got you to find this place to reconnect with God. Listen, friends, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry um, from our life. This does not mean that you're not going to be busy, right? Because Jesus was busy. If you track through, through Jesus' life, the man was in demand, right? I mean, he had stuff going on. There was always an agenda. There was always a motion in his life. There was always a movement happening in his life. But, but listen, friends, he did this in a way that never severed his lifeline to God the Father. He had this busyness in his life that never disconnected him with God, his Father. 
He, he always figured out a way to, to put the two together. I mean, if you, if you were to go through, listen, um, Jesus was, you'll see these stories over and over where Jesus is in motion. He's, he's heading somewhere. He's got something to do, some, somewhere to teach, some people he's got to talk to. He's got to go help somebody in some way. But every time in the scriptures, you see it over and over, people in the middle of his going, in the middle of his doing, people would come up to him and go, hey, hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then they would what? They would say, they would call out to him. One guy calls out and goes, son of David, have mercy on me. Another person comes along and says, you can heal my daughter and make her live again. You can make her walk again. Another guy comes and says, Jesus, Jesus, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you got somewhere to go. I know you're doing this, but, but Jesus, if you could just touch my eyes, I know that you can make me see. Another comes and says, I have these deep questions about God. Another says, my, my, the kingdom of God, I've been thinking about it, but I'm not so sure how to get the kingdom of God into my life. So these people are constantly interrupting Jesus, but one of the things that you can see in the scriptures, it blows my mind, is that these people were never an interruption to him. It never took him off of mission. It never took him away from his father's will. He was always connected with God. He never seemed to be in such a hurry that, that when love was needed, he couldn't give it. He never was like that. When love was needed, he was always available to love, to reach, to care. And friends, there's a reason for that. It's because he stayed connected to his father. Hurry, listen friends, listen, hurry is not a time condition. Hurry is a heart condition. Hurry is is not a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. And, And Jesus made sure that his heart was right with God first and most, always. Always. Busy, yes. Hurried, no. Always made sure his heart was right with God. Do you, do you want to know if you suffer from this thing called hurry sickness? Um, you, you and I, uh, we, we suffer from this um, hurry sickness, this disordered heart, if you live for speed. I know, I live for speed. I, I suffer from this, right? It, it, it's when you get up every day and you go to bed every night and you just wish that there was more hours in the day. You know you're sick when it's like that every day of your life. You know you got a problem when it's like that always in your life. When, when you live for speed, it's when you talk faster, eat faster, walk faster, read faster, and worst of all, when you listen faster. Here's what I mean. There are times in my life I'm listening to somebody, I want to hear the story, but I'm like going, And I'm, I'm like nudging them to talk to me faster, right? So we can move faster. It's hurry sickness. You, you live for speed when, when waiting in lines absolutely kill you. Anybody? I mean, I hate waiting in lines. You've got issues. Listen, I got issues. When you pull up to a light and you go, okay, okay, okay. Which lane is going to move me down this road faster? And you are instantly calibrating in your mind. You've got all these calculations. You've got the make and model of the car. You assess the driver from the back of their head, which isn't always easy. And you're trying to figure out which car is going to move you down the road faster. Listen, you got hurry sickness and you got issues in your life. If you go to the grocery store like me, and when you're pulling into the lane, you are immediately calculating. The, the, the teller or the clerk, you're going, hmm. I'm not thinking that they're on the best, you know, top 10, you know, and you're, you're immediately calculating the number of items that somebody's got in front of you. And so you literally clock into a lane and you got real issues when you, when you, dis, when you 
you know, commit to a lane and you kind of time it and you realize you won. Like if I got in that lane, I won because I'm ahead, right? And you're going, yes, yes. I am sick, people. I'm telling you, man. There is something wrong with me. Very sick. Um, when you're high-fiving yourself because you beat somebody that didn't even know they were racing you. That's just strange. Um, you, 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 listen, you suffer from hurry sickness when, when you're only happy when you multitask. I'm, I'm telling you, friends, um, I, I struggle with this. I, I, I sit down to watch a movie with my kids or play board games with my kids, but only after I literally, like, I will go to the garage or I will find a junk drawer and I will take it completely out of the cabinet and I will bring it and sit it down while I'm playing and I will go through this junk drawer. There's something deeply wrong inside of me, friends. I'm telling you, you know, psychologists have an actual term for this. They call it polyphastic activity, polyphastic activity. Or we could say doing more than one thing at the same time, but it takes too long, so we just call it multitasking, Right? Um, the, the car is the worst place where we multitask. I mean, you're supposed to be driving, but you're shaving, you're putting on makeup, you're eating, you're drinking your coffee, you're looking at the radio, you're changing the radio, you're changing the CD, you're, you're plugging in your data charger, you're, you're, you, 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 you're, you're calling somebody, talking, and you got a text message going on at the same time. And then when the cop pulls you over for swerving and goes, hey, do you know why you're swerving? You say, no, officer, I have no idea. What? Right? Multitasking. Anybody? Anybody in the room? You feel happy when you multitask. You got issues. Um, you, you know that there's hurry sickness inside of you when you have way too much clutter in your life. Uh, you want to be organized, but you just can't. I, I, honestly, God, I talk to my, my assistant, Angie, all the time, and I say, Angie, I want to be organized. I want to be on time. I don't want to lose things. I want to remember what I'm supposed to do. I just can't seem to do it, right? I try not to lose stuff, but I do all the time. I don't know why. What is wrong with me, right? Um, but hurry sick people, they lack simplicity. Here, here's what people like me, me do. Uh, we keep buying more and more books and magazine, ma- magazines, and then we feel guilty because we haven't read all the stacks that we've already bought. Does that make any sense to anybody? And yet, I do it all the time. I, I don't understand why. Or, or we, we buy these time-saving gadgets, but we never actually take the time to learn how to program them or learn how to use them. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, we've got a bunch of young people that work for us around here, and they look at me and they go, Jay, you should really learn how to use your computer. You should really learn how to use your phone. It will help you. I'm telling you, it will help you. And I'm like, I don't have time. But if you did it, you would save time, right? Um, Hurry, sick people. Uh, we're, we're strange. We do like a closet exorcist, right? Have you ever done this? Like, I gotta, I gotta clean this thing out. This is ridiculous. And so you, you start throwing stuff away and you say, I'm gonna simplify my life. I'm gonna get this. Anybody ever do this? You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Am I just preaching to me or is there anybody else in the room that's getting this? Because, because I mean, I'm okay to preach to me, but, but I'm just wondering if this is connecting because like you, you go in, you go, I, I gotta fix this. I, I hate the clutter. It's driving me crazy. And so you start throwing things away. You start moving things away. But then this really bizarre thing happens. You start restuffing your closet. It, it is crazy. You go out and now that you got room, you go out, at least I do, and I go buy more stuff to put back in my closet. And it doesn't make sense, does it? And it's not just... Um, and it's not just this cluttered closets and cluttered drawers and cluttered shelves. It's cluttered hearts, right? Because 
Because here's what we do. We go, I got to slow down. I got to have some time down. I got I to gotta connect with God. I got to connect with my family. I got to connect with my wife, my kids, my, my friends. You know, we, we say we want this. And so what happens is, if you're like me at all, like, you know, two, three things get complete in your life. They fall off the table. And so what do you do? You find four more things to fill up those three spots. And you just start the cluttered soul all over again. All over again. Am I preaching to anybody besides me? You hearing this, friends? So here's where I want to take us. Um, I want to take us really far back into the ancient scriptures, into the Psalms. Psalm 46, to be exact. And um, apparently, it's not just our generation um, that felt overwhelmed by life. Apparently, this has been a human problem for a long, long time. So I want to read Psalm 46 to you. And 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 friends, I just want you to take these words in. Listen to them carefully. Identify with them. Let them minister to your soul. Let them speak to your heart. Here's what it says in the book of Psalms. Chapter 46, starting in verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the hearts of the sea, though its waters roar and they foam, and and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Listen, um, you can see this picture. The writer is saying, man, life gets shaky sometimes. Life gets crazy sometimes and overwhelming sometimes, and anxiety comes in, fear comes in, and we're not sure if we're going to rise to the occasion, if we're going to be good enough in any way. And it says, God is our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. There is a river whose streams make, the, the, make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. That's good news. If God is in the middle of it all, there's a stability in you. There's a cornerstone inside of you. There's a rock that holds it all together. He says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when when morning dawns. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. He's talking about this glory of God, this presence of God, this power of God to stabilize the world, to control the world, right? The Lord of hosts is, what does it say? With us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations to the earth. He makes wars come to an end, uh, and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Then he says this, verse 10, listen, he says, be still and know that I am God. Be, be still. Friends, isn't that the... Isn't that what the person who has hurry sickness needs? It's to somehow find this stillness where we can know God, where we can know just how great and how good and how powerful he is. Isn't this what we need to overcome this hurry sickness in our life? Be still. The Hebrew word for, 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 for still is rapa. Rapa, and it literally means this idea of to slacken or to let down or to cease 
the frantic pace. Come on. It says if you're going to know who God is, you have to somehow figure out Rapa in your life. How to be still. To let some slack out in your life. To drop some things. To cease this frantic pace that you live in. So that you can know God. And what's interesting is this Hebrew expression kind of connotates this idea of a fight in your life. It has this imagery involved with it that there is this battle. Anybody feel like this? There's this battle to win in life. You ever feel this? Like, that's what I feel. I got to win this thing. There's a fight there. And the scripture begins to teach us, Rapa, you won't win until you drop the sword. You won't win until you stop the fight and you let God be God. You let God pick up the fight for you. You let God do what, what man cannot do. You let God do for you, Jeremy, what God only can do that you can't do. Rapa, be still and know that I am God. Or maybe we could reduce it to just be still and know God. How does that sound? Be still and know God. Know his power. Be still and that's when you'll know his strength. Be still, be quiet. That's when you'll know his greatness. Be still, that's when you will know his help. Stop fighting, stop tugging, let some slack out, be still. Rapa, and you'll know the peace of God. Be still and know God's direction. Be still and know God's leadership. Be still and know God's help for your life. Somehow we've got to become less prideful. See, I think the whole world revolves like on me or leans on me sometimes. I don't know if you feel that way. But he says, Jeremy, you will never know just how great I am until you figure out how to silence yourself. Jesus went away to desolate places to pray and to seek God, to find him. sound good for hurried people? Doesn't that sound good for hurried people? Come on. So here's, here's what I would like to do to, to kind of wrap this up. You, you, Pastor Greg had these little cards, right? So could you grab that card? Could you just grab that card, grab something to write with? And uh, he asks you to, to write what you would like to simplify in your life. What needs to change to give you a simpler life? A deeper life? A richer life? And, and so now, maybe after hearing some of this, maybe you need to kind of cross something out and change it. I don't know. But you know what it is in you. And so here's what I would like for you to do, if it's okay with you. Would you just turn that card over to the blank side? And I want you to write a couple words. I want you to write Psalm 46. And then write Rapa. Psalm 46. Rapa. And then maybe you might even want to write 
be still and know God. Be still and know God. God, we come before you and we just want to still our hearts just for a moment. In church, with a whole bunch of people looking on. And we just want to take a moment to recognize that we cannot control our world. God, we, we just want to confess that we've tried over and over to, uh, to, to spin the world, to make it all go the way we want it to go. <laughs> and I stink at it. And so, God, I'm asking you to do what I cannot do in my own life. God, I want to know that you are God. I want to know your presence in my life. I want to know your hope, your direction, your leadership. I I want to know your hand, that it goes before me. That it's around me, protecting me and my family. God, I I can't seem to do that when I'm running so fast. God, help us to be still just for a moment right here in this room to hear from you. Something's got to change in most of our lives. I would say all of us have something we need to let go, let Let some slack in on it. We need to cease this frantic thing, this frantic pace. Speak, oh God. Speak. My brothers and sisters, may you know the grace of God. May you know the peace of God, the hope of God. My brothers and sisters, may you find, Rapa, a way to be still before God this week. May, may you find a way to quiet your heart, your soul, your mind, your activity. May you connect deeply with your creator so that you will know he is God and that you will know him in all of his fullness and all of his richness toward you. Do a work in our soul, God. Simplify our soul. In Jesus' name, amen.